Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the How to Bet podcast series looking at summer racing all summer long and no bigger race in the summer than the Midsummer Derby, the Traverse Stakes, which is Saturday at Saratoga. And to my eye, no bigger card outside the Breeders' Cup, uh, maybe ever, uh, certainly in my recent memory, uh, than what Saratoga has assembled for its Traverse Stakes program. 13 races, three pick fours, a pick five, a pick six, champions galore, future champions perhaps, whether it's the two-year-old maiden races or the Travers, uh, Lady Eli, Songbird, Practical Joke, Idaho, Forever Unbridled, lots of big names, lots of wagering opportunities. This podcast will focus specifically on the Travers Stakes. We will have a second podcast with Scott Shapiro that looks at the all grade one pick four and touches on some of the other stakes as well. Uh, But for this podcast, we are focusing almost exclusively on the Traverse Stakes through a near full field of 12. Uh, There is not a horse. I would feel comfortable uh, completely throwing out. Some will like better than others. Uh, If you have a strong opinion, it's likely you're going to get the price you want. My fair odds line bottoms out at six to one. I might I might not get the price I want on horses I like, but if you have a stronger opinion than I do, there's a good chance you will. And a man who always has strong opinions, and we're so thankful for him sharing that perspective, is Danny Zucker of PredictTheForm.com. Danny, how are you? What's up, Ed? We've taken a bit of a hi- hiatus this racing season. Yeah, uh, you know, the the three-year-old races always get us going, so uh, this is definitely a good time to get back into it. But as we get in the Breeders' Cup swing of things, uh, always happy when I I get a text from you to do a podcast. And this race especially, uh, I think, could really use your help. So looking forward to talking about it with you. Yeah, I had an opportunity to – by the way, thank you for saying that. I had an opportunity to listen to the DRF podcast. I listened to the Stats Lens podcast. And for the most part, uh, at least with the, the latter, the Stats Lens podcast, what people are looking at uh, is ROIs. You know, so they're looking at history. They're looking at history. And even so with um, – yeah, less so with the DRF, but still, you're looking at history. You're looking at the racing form, and you're looking at returns and saying, well, Chad Brown is you know, 54% in this situation, so I'm going to bet him. And it's – just not the way that we look at things with Predictiform. With Prediction Machine, we, we, we did something different, and with Predictiform, we do something. So we're, we're really looking at which horse, the objective with Predictiform and, and my goal here in going through the horses is to talk about which horse is um, come, sitting on a big race. I mean, that's what we're trying to find. Who is moving forward? Not what the trainer has done, not what the jockey has done, but which horse is moving forward from a pace figure, looking at the figures, and even less so about trip ed, really, who looks like they're coming, you know, they have the best shot at moving forward off their previous number and reversing back, like what kind of a number is going to win this race? And when, when when you do that and you take out fair odds and you look at value, 
it becomes a more interesting race because, you know, as we get into these horses, not a lot of them are in form from a figure perspective. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, Taproot was made the morning line favorite is he just hasn't had the opportunity to show people whether he's in form or not. And people are defaulting to him, for lack of a better word. Um, and to me, that's always an opportunity to bet against. Um, and we'll obviously right, get right. to him a little more in depth. But uh, t- to me, you know, if Always Dreaming had pointed for this race and didn't have the Jim Dandy, he would unquestionably be the favorite in here. But he ran, right. didn't run up to snuff to most people's eye, uh, and now his stock has dropped, whereas Tapperit hasn't had that opportunity. So they're sort of giving him the, the benefit of the doubt. And when that happens, I, I'm willing to go against. But like I said, we'll get to him a little, a, a little more in depth. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of horses going in a lot of different ways in here. Uh, and uh, to me, it's it's definitely a compelling puzzle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we'll uh, I say dig right into it. Um, we have 12 horses to get through, and because it's so uh, wide open, so to speak, I typically hate that cliche, but I think it actually applies here. Uh, we'll just go top to bottom, and drawing the rail was Preakness Stakes winner Cloud Computing, uh, perhaps one of those you had in mind uh, of horses who might take money who are not in form, and in today's racing parlance, not in form means one bad race. Uh, you know, we don't really get form cycles within a tight period of time anymore, but that Jim Dandy, you know, to me, he should have gone by always dreaming at the very least and just had nothing in the stretch. What do you make of him? Right. Well, if if you look at – so so if you look at cloud computing from a figure perspective um, – his big race was the Preakness. I mean, he, he had, had numbers 72, 73, 73 and a half. So he was primed to move to the Preakness. He ran a great race. He ran a reversal. Um, but he also ran close to an 80, which, you know, you're not going to run, you're not going to put up numbers like that back to back. And so I, I wasn't surprised to see him regress back to 71 at all. Now, where he's going to bounce back. I think he's going to bounce back to where his form cycle foundation is. Foundation basically is where a horse has performed at a consistent level over the most number of races. He's in the 73 to 74 range. So, you know, let's just keep track of where these horses are in this discussion. So I'd say cloud computing at best could run a 75. I don't think that's that's going to do it. That's not going to do I was going to say, my, my sense is that's probably not good enough, but like you said, we'll, we'll yep. keep these numbers in our head as we go through the field, and uh, he, right. he's not, for me, is sort of one of the ones, the known right. commodity that's going to take a little money. Uh, number two, uh, speaking of not for me, uh, I have Giuseppe the Great is the least likely winner. Uh, unlike some races, uh, I wouldn't say he's like 200 to one, but he would be the, right. the surprise of the field. Well, Figure-wise, so he, you know, he he paired up. He's got a couple 73s, 73.8. He regressed the last race in the Jim Dandy, and maybe let's say that the Jim Dandy was a point or two slow. Okay, so maybe Cloud Computing 71 was maybe a 73 or 74. Even if that's the ca- case with Giuseppe the Great, I think he's likely to run a 73, 72, 73. And again, this is not taking into account the distance. So if I were to, you know, add in the distance factor, he's probably going to run slower than that. 
Um, so yeah, I would put him closer to like a 72. Yeah, and that that definitely uh, there'd be a lot of regression yeah. for that to be good enough. Uh, I came yep. into the race thinking West Coast would be one of the ones I, I might be against, uh, especially at four to one. Looking at some other numbers providers, uh, he fits a lot better and is even fastest uh, on some figure makers. Uh, I know you're not a big fan of what comes out of Los Alamitos. We've uh, tussled on the form from the bullring before, uh, but this might be a year where it's good enough. What do you make of West Coast shipping East? Well, here is my feeling on West Coast. I don't think West Coast can get the distance. I think it's a distance mm. issue with him. So I, I went back and looked at his dam. Uh, I looked at his dam on the track caressing. I looked at his four sibs and the best runner by one of the sibs, Dan and Legend. Dan and Legend was a, a horse that ran in Asia, made $4 million, and he was a flat-out sprinter. None of the sibs in the family ran 10 furlongs, and running at 9 furlongs, most underperformed. For the most not for the most part, all of those sibs and the best runner by one of the sibs performed at eight furlongs or under. So this is a sprinter family. Now, flatter on the top gives me you know, some confidence that West Coast can get the distance, but I'm going to knock the horse at the distance, Ed, and uh, I, don't, I think that's, a, that's something that's going to be overlooked by West Coast because people say, oh, he ran nine, he can get ten. You add to it the fact that he's shipping in from Los Al, and I can't really value a Los Al figure as competitive <laughs> with, with these others. And he's somebody you could knock. Now, if you look at the history of West Coast, he ran a 76 first out. He ran three consecutive new pace tops. He ran a 76 at Belmont. Then he ran a 78 at Los Al. So if 78 is his high figure, it's not a new pace top because his four furlong figures have been regressing. I think he's likely, you know, let's say he runs back to a 78. I think it's more likely that he regresses to a 77. Something like that. Which is uh, a little faster than the ones we've discussed. but Right. And, and still in number not. win it. No question, there's a number. West Coast can win it, right? But he's got enough knocks uh, in terms of the dam side on the bottom with a, a distance issue. And I'm not a fan of shipping it from Los Al. I mean, I think that's not uh, on par with this type of a race that uh, I, I think he's beatable. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly not going to be for me. I don't know what his fair odds or where you think he's going to wind up, like three to one or something. Uh yeah, I would say I would think maybe four to one. It's it's really tough for me to see a horse being three to one in this field. The um, who is the this horse that he he finished third in the Easy Goer? Uh, American Anthem. American Anthem. He third in the Easy Goer. No. Uh, he run back. Yeah. Yeah, they have run back. Uh, let me see here. West Coast won it. No, it says O. No, uh, O T P. Whatever. What is that? 
There was a Pletcher horse in there. Maybe American Anthem was second. No, your your to blame was second. Okay. Who did come back to win? Uh huh. Right. Outplay was third, who I believe also came back to win. So yeah, the forms held up okay. Yeah. Well, let me just see. So Outplay came back to win at nine furlongs and ran seventy-two. Um, and he was, let's see, he was 13 lengths off of West Coast when they faced each other in the Easy Goer. So you do the math, you add three points, maybe four, you maybe can bump him up because he's in good form, and you're still at 76, 77. So yeah. a solid number, no question about it, for West Coast. But with the distance concerns that I have personally on the bottom in Caressing's family, uh, and we know Saratoga is famous for, um, you know, burning favorite money. And he is coming off a lifetime top that the, his odds will be a little shorter than I think his actual chance of winning would be, Ed. Well, I, I definitely agree uh, in underlay, which, uh, you know, with these – Field uh, horses who can win, uh, some are going to get over bet. I, I agree he's one of them. Yep. Uh, another one I would put in that category is Belmont Stakes winner Taprit. Uh, right. Typically runs his race. The Bluegrass, I guess, was the, the uncharacteristic one. Uh, the Derby, right. he made a move, but obviously a, a lot of different variables going on there. Um, one of the ones probably distanced among the least concerns of this group, uh, but to me he's just as fast as some others and is the favorite or second choice. Uh, I'm willing to bet someone else gets a better a better trip and better figure and wins. I, I don't disagree with you there. His his two lifetime tops are 79, 79, four at eight and a half furlongs. He ran a 76 uh, in the uh, Derby. Um, and, you know, he did run 74 here at 12 furlongs, but his cycle, his, his pattern is to regress after two races. And, um, again, there's like, and you, you watched the Belmont, it, it was, the field wasn't great, right? I mean, he passed, uh, Irish war cry at the end. Um, but he's just, he, he's got as good a chance of running, uh, you know, regressing backwards, he does moving forward. So I would say Taprit, the best number he could run, would be an equal performance to the Derby of 76, whereas I think West Coast's best number would be 77. So we're talking about best number. I think that's the better way to go. Right. Uh, still maybe a little short from what will ultimately be the number. Uh, one horse who arrived on the scene in a big way, got sick of chasing Oscar performance on the turf, switched to dirt beat the Derby and Preakness winner, uh, look good doing it. Uh, of course, closers who envelop uh, the pace like that look good, uh, but whether or not he can do it at a mile and a quarter uh, against even more grade one winners remains to be seen. Uh, I'm worried about how much money he'll take. Uh, certainly wouldn't surprise me, uh, but I'm, I'm going against that he can – get that same trip against these going a mile and a quarter uh, at a shorter price. So 
his you know his run on the again turf and dirt are different, but his high turf figure is 79. His first out on dirt he ran 73, but it was a reversal pattern. Reversal being that it was the first time he ran a faster final furlong than a four furlong, but he's only had one race on dirt, so it does. It's really not a reversal ed because he hasn't had any other races. It's a good race that he had. At 73 is a good figure, but he's going to have to improve like four points, five points. I, I, would, I would see a forward move here, but I don't see him being able to move forward faster than the 76 that he ran in the Belmont Derby. So I would peg Good Samaritan around 75 or 76 in this race as maybe sort of the higher end of where he would get. Yeah, and that's uh, looking as good as most of what we talked about. And, again, as a right. horse who's going to take money as good uh, doesn't really excite me. Um, right. Moving on to Gervin, uh, outside of some uh, injury issues uh, before the Kentucky Derby, really has never run a poor race as a three-year-old. Uh, I didn't expect him to run well in the Derby. Uh, clearly it was not 100%. And that showed uh, everything else has, I think, been really solid efforts. And this is one of the ones for me uh, I'm willing to buy the, the Haskell form. I know some people are doubting it. He did get a great uh-huh. trip. Uh, he'll need another, uh, another one here. Those mid-pack types do usually need to trip out in full field. Uh, I'm not sure we'll get 10 to 1. I think he'll be a little lighter than that, uh, maybe around 8. But to me, that's still is, uh, to me, is, a, is an overlay, and he's one of the ones I feel strongest about, including on all my tickets. What did you say about the Derby, Ed, that he wasn't right? Yeah, he missed uh, a couple workouts, and they really rushed him along, and he trained at Keeneland, uh, some on the poly track, and it, he just was not 100% into the Derby. I mean, okay. they, right. you know. Don't want to, I don't know if they want a tickets or whatever. You know, they, they earn their way in, and I don't begrudge anyone from taking their shot. Uh, you know, they got the horse healthy. But, you know, you miss training, and you're not going to contend in a race like that, and he didn't. I do like the fact that he ran 74 first out. Um, and, you know, moving through his, his cycle, uh, he, he did run regress in the derby back to 72. Um, uh, he ran 77.878. Where's TDN? Thistledown. Thistledown. Ran 78. Thistledown. I don't even. I, I don't even know if that number is a real number or what. Um, and then ran almost. You know that's my home track. Yeah. Well, I, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say anything more more about that Ohio Derby performance? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, IRAP's definitely in form. Well, those were the Gervin best two. Running, I mean. Gervin ran an 80 last out, right, at Monmouth. And uh, it's short rest, which I'm not, like, overly thrilled about. But that's fine. These are really uh, developed three-year-old horses. There's no – I mean, I just can't see Gervin running another 79 and change stretching out a quarter mile, stretching out another eighth of a mile off, you know, what amounts to four weeks rest. Um, 
So if you were to go back to somewhere around, um, you know, if you if you look at Gervin's foundation, Ed, like his average number that he's kind of pulled the most, he's pulled 77 the most. That seems to be his foundation. I think that Gervin would be able to run at his best of 77. And yeah. if you look at a 77, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say a tick, a tick higher than some we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my, you know, my knock on Gervin is competition-wise, it, uh, you know, maybe he hasn't been. And and the one race he didn't run well was at, well, it was a, it was a weird day on Derby Day. But let's say Gervin can run 77 at his best. He's going to regress off that 80. He's not running an 80 for 10 furlongs at Saratoga. So there's a possibility that Gervin is going to bounce as well. I mean, I think that last race was a monster running an 80 at Monmouth. I mean, American Fowler ran an 80.8. So um, anyway, that's that's Gervin. Yeah, and uh, Farrow lost in the Travers off that Haskell. So uh, you know, some yep. recent history there uh, in the Keen Ice upset. Yep. Uh, that yep. does move us. To another Kentucky Derby winner, Always Dreaming, uh, has not had the post-Derby career that Farrow had. Uh, awful in the Preakness, uh, not much better right. in the Jim Dandy. Uh, certainly no. capable of a big number. Uh, uh-huh. I wonder what kind of money he'll take. I mean, he's sort of been ignored a little bit. People are off right. him, but I know others who are picking him too. I, I don't want to get beat by him, but I don't know. He's... He's an enigma. What do you make of him? Yeah, I mean, he ran back-to-back 80s um, in the Florida Derby, and I thought he was going to regress coming into the Kentucky Derby. He didn't. That Derby got it up. I mean, that was just a tremendous race. He ran an 80-plus in the Derby. In the Preakness, he ran 73, and he regressed his last out in the Jim Dandy. So he's got, you know, he's on a downward form cycle pattern, and for him to improve, he'd, he'd have to move up six points which would take him to his second best race behind third best race behind the Kentucky Derby and Florida Derby. So always dreaming is going to need to be, you know, along the lines of his two best performances lifetime to win this race. And I, I think he's just not quite informed to do that. The 73 regressing to a 71 is heading the wrong way. I would look for improvement, but, um, you know, unless he runs his eyeballs out and pu- pulls out all the punches and runs one of those big races, I don't think he's running more than a 73 or 74. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's not close, <laughs> especially uh, if the money he'll right. take. And yeah, he's, yep. he's won. Um, if, if I'm right in the other races, uh, I, I, like I said, I don't really want to get beat by the Derby winner, but... Um, you know, when I narrow my ticket to an A column, so to speak, he's definitely not going to be on it. Well, he's got, you know, look, there's there's some pace in the race beyond him in that, uh, you know, I, I haven't even gotten into the pace yet. Let, let's say that for uh, the, the finish discussion. Who are we on next? Looking at Lee, Looking at Lee. Uh, who was next in the Derby behind Always Dreaming. Uh, yeah. And so to me, uh, 
you know, if things fall apart and he's running late, that makes things interesting. Uh, I have just yet to see uh, a race from him that you'd say, oh, if he runs back to that, he can win this race. And that's not to say right. three-year-olds don't improve and they go longer and they get better or whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, to me, he's he's one in this field where it would truly take a breakthrough performance to win. And he's a big price, right. so if you think he's sitting on it um, – I wouldn't want to talk you off, but the PP say he needs to improve, in my mind. Right. And the good thing is with predictive, predictive form, we really don't care about the PPs. Uh, if he runs back to his derby performance, he'll win. A 79 wow. will win this race. I think right. he will. The, his Preakness performance was a 77, so he ran pretty well in the Preakness. Um, you know, the Belmont, let's give him an excuse. It was too long, whatever. He was due for regression. They laid him off a little bit, and they came back in the West Virginia Derby. And he ran 72 and change at Mountaineer. So he, he's definitely, you know, he, he's probably sitting on a forward move. I think he could jump three or four points. I'm not crazy about the short time. But I do think looking at Lee, you know, has a chance to run a 76. And... um you know, when we talk about value, he's certainly one that carries it for me. And, and, and look, Saratoga, it, as you said, if the race shapes the right way, he will be coming. Um, and so I would not be quick to dismiss looking at Lee in, in the idea that he could run a 76. All right. Well, 30 to 1, then uh, I think he'll be at least 20. Uh, uh-huh. That's that's good info because he's, uh, you know, this is the type of race, even if you don't land on the right horse on top, it's like the Derby. I mean, look what he did to the the exotics in the Derby at a big price and could do the same here. So uh, yep. keep looking at Lee in mind for wagering strategy. Uh, oh, go on. Sorry, I just belched. Yeah. What did you no. say? No, I was just I was going to move on to McCracken. Yeah. McCracken... He underperformed in the Derby, but you know, as you said, if you don't finish in the top three, you're allowed you're allowed regression in the Derby. He came back and bounced right back to a 79 and a half. Came, it ran again in Mountaineer, and you know he ran at uh, he, he ran at the Haskell. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong horse. Um, so you, you forgive his Derby performance. He comes back, runs 79 and a half. In a Churchill in a cheaper race, then wins almost wins the Haskell, and pairs up tops. He runs a 79.5, so he runs back to back 79.5s. Um, Kerry would always say that regression follows paired up tops, which is what that is. Notwithstanding, his figures are pretty quick the last couple starts, and you know with the exception of his first out 70 he's got a good floor at 70 you know 75 76 and i think that's where you're going to find McCracken at like 75 76 i certainly like that he always uh seems to make a move he puts himself into contention and yeah, uh, yeah. to me that that makes him a contender just cuz in a race like this uh he'll he'll be around uh i definitely worry about the mile and a quarter, which uh, seems funny. I mean, he's by Go Sapper out of a seeking the gold mare, but he just seems to have that, that middle distance type move where 
it looks great, and yeah. then he, he flattens out. And we've we've seen it enough, uh, including in the Derby. Uh, to me, yep. it's uh, you know I don't love him, but you know he just he's going to run his race. And uh, as you said, that you know the the number might be good enough, and twelve to one isn't a terrible price. Uh, he's he's on yeah. the second tier for me. Yeah, I mean, look, he's not bettable for me. But um, yeah, he's going to regress off the pair of seventy nine fives. I mean, you, you know, you regress off. We call them puts here in the office. That's paired up tops. So when you see a horse run the same number back to back, they regress. And the seventy nine point mm-hmm. fives is going to regress to seventy five, maybe seventy six. So I would not bet. I don't think he's going to win. Um, I give him a very small chance to win. Um, yeah, the, the paired up tops, and then they they go with uh, now to a mile and a quarter, which I'm dubious about as well. Yeah. So uh, recipe for for not uh, the best performance, perhaps. Uh, Iraq right. uh, was a, was a maiden uh, before he won the Bluegrass, defeating McCracken and Taprit and some others. Uh, and his uh, other the Derby uh, was was a step back from the bluegrass, but since then, uh, gangbusters winning the Ohio and Indiana derbies, um, a lot to like for me, uh, you know, the, the, the maiden form seems to be well in the rear view mirror at this point. Um, and at eight to one, uh, I'm a buyer. Well, the single reason why we would look at IRAP is he's got the fastest last out. Right, he's got the fastest last figure, and when you see a fastest last figure at eight to one, you got to look at playing the horse. Typically, fastest last figures, especially when they're you know a point and a half or two points faster than anybody else, you're going to get four to five, even money six to five. So, um, what's unique about this race is that he's got the fastest last figure. He's got the fastest last figure by almost two points, so nobody's running 80, yeah, 79.5, so almost two points, and that's interesting enough to warrant a win bet on him. So for IRAP, off the 77.8, you know, he's got a really crappy race at Churchill, but again, as we said, if you don't win, if you don't run in the money in the Derby, you can be forgiven. Before that, he's got a couple of 76s. So that was a case, and if you go back and look at IRAP, he's got paired up tops going into the Kentucky Derby, and that's the reason why we didn't like him there, and you knew he was going to regress off the 76s. Regresses, races pretty good with a 78 at Thistledown, which is kind of, who knows what that number is. Again, Indiana, like an 81, that might be a little bit high. But I do think IRAP, given his foundation, could run a 77 or 78. Yeah, and another thing I would point out with the Derby, uh, he was actually one of those at 20 or 30 to 1. Uh, I forget what his actual price was, but uh, people were talking about how good he looked, training great, et cetera. Uh, Aquabase called the track wet fast. Uh, that is BS. It was unquestionably sloppy uh, in my mind. His two worst races right, right. Uh, on the predictive form final numbers were on a sloppy track, so... Uh, you know, you, you throw him out, which is easy to do, and he certainly fits to me. And uh, yeah, at, at eight to one, I I think he's you, you got to use him. Mhm. 
Uh, Anda Gunavera, another uh, one of those who has had some fast races, including uh, upsetting uh, Irish Warcry in uh, the Fountain of Youth Stakes at Gulfstream, uh, has run some fast races. Uh, it's kind of odd. He, I mean, he's coming into this uh, a little differently than, than I would have anticipated. Um, with the the prep down at, at Gulfstream, so sort of under the radar and a big price again. Um, a, I question the mile and a quarter, and and B, I don't think his his best is good enough anyway. But he's a big price, uh, so I guess if he's going the right way, uh, maybe that's good enough to take a flyer as a long shot. But for me, not one of the more likely winners. One of two horses that's got to win at Saratoga, Genevieros fastest final figure was at Gulfstream in the Fountain of Youth at 77 and change. Uh, I'm sorry, in the Florida Derby before that ran a 75. Um, You know, his figures, his Derby figure was okay. Uh, His Pimlico race was okay. Ran a soft pattern at um, Gulfstream. I think, you know, this horse could run like a 75 76, 75, or 76, but I think there's going to be some distance limitations. Certainly being from the outside is not going to help. Um, and, yeah, I just don't think – yeah, I mean, I would put Guinevere more like a 70 – you know, we're running the same kind of a number, like a 74, maybe a 75. And rounding out the field, uh, I believe the least uh-huh. seasoned of the uh, starters as well. Yeah, Cloud Computing's run five times. Uh, Fayek has run four. Uh, visually uh, impressive in his last. Uh, the numbers uh, universally not as impressive as, as maybe it looked. Right. Uh, this was a horse, admittedly, I saw 30 to 1. I was like, oh, I can't, you know, I want to look more at this. Maybe he's the bomber uh, and just never fast enough and you know yeah he's 30 to 1 I am going to play some all tickets uh, on my pick four so in that regard maybe I'll be cheering for him but uh, a lot less uh, bullish on him than I was wanting to be when I first opened the PPs Uh, can he pop a big number look I I don't disagree with you with everything uh, you've said, but you know, part of what I like to do is dig, and I digged back. You know, I went back, and I, you know, I recognized Little Kim, and and you guys, you you probably know that Fayek is a uh, a half brother to Rachel Alexandra, and yeah. that by itself, half brother to one of the best mares, Phillies and mares to ever run, is interesting. You, you can't dismiss that, Ed, and. Fayek is going to be a good racehorse, a really good racehorse. And you might not catch Fayek at this race, but if Fayek runs a good race and moves forward, you certainly don't want to be thinking, well, how did I miss Fayek? His figures are too slow. Um, you know, so the, the, the forward progress he's got, he's run a good pattern every race, 69, 72, 71, 73. I think he's going to move forward off the 70 thing. I think he could run a 75. Uh, but if it, and, and normally I would say, well, he's a toss. But um, for me, I will be using Fayek if only because of the history of of his of his uh, of his sister. And I, I mean, I was crazy about Rachel Alexandra. It was a great horse. And you never know in these types of situations if 
how important the you know the dam side can be. I'm not suggesting you go out and lay wood on FAYAC, but if you're going deep, um, there's some sense to include the horse in tickets, which you're which you're doing, um, right? But but even if you're not going all and you want to use half a dozen, don't kick out FAYAC. I mean, you know, include the horse in as, as a you know if you're going that deep. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. To me, if you're, I'll have some plan where I think maybe four or five I'll use on every ticket. But if I'm going any deeper than that, I'd much rather make sure I'm covered with FAX than always dreaming uh-huh. or cloud computing at a short price. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with oh, you there. And you know, he's he's one. It's a 12 horse field. Uh, you know, if he runs well for for third, same with looking at Lee. Uh, you know that that could be enough to really spice things up too. Look, I'm going to take you through these horses and point out something else that's interesting. These are the horses that regressed, that have regressed from their last race. Race was regression. Cloud computing, the two West Coast was a forward move. Caprit was regression. Good Samaritan was regression. Irvin was not. Always Dreaming was regression. Looking, uh, McCracken was paired up tops, which is as bad as regression. Guinevere was re- regression. So half the field has regressed. And I think all of the regressors, meaning they, they, they regressed from their start previously, so they're coming into their grace off regression. If they're going to move forward, it would be likely somewhere in between their, their top prior and the race they raced. Of these regressors in the last race, um, you know, none of them. Maybe Guinevere at most, but I don't think any of these horses have the ability to come back and win at like a 77, right? So mm. if we go through that and we just – we take out cloud computing, we take out Guinevere, we take out Taprit, we take out Good Samaritan, we take out Always Dreaming, we take out McCracken for the paired up tops, we take out Guinevere, then you're left with one, two, three, four, five horses. Two, three, four, five, and that's the five I would use. I probably, you know, in this race, and if you look at the figures that we talked about, uh, you know, West Coast, Gervin, and Iraq could run those 77, 78, which is what it's going to take to win. Yeah, I uh, definitely think it'll take that number and, uh, you know, a few of them, whether or not they're going in the right direction, I think is definitely a great question to ask uh, the field. Now, normally I'm not a big fan of, of boxing, but given that you're actually eliminating several key contenders, uh, is that something you'll think about playing is just using those, that half dozen or so in, in the exacta, or will you key around the longest shots? What's uh, sort of your well, strategy? We gotta, we gotta so of the five that are left, I don't think Fayette's a good, I don't think Fayette's likely to win. So really now I'm looking at four horses that I think can win, West Coast, Gervin, looking at Lucky, and I wrap. And so when you're down to four, you can really use them in, you know, in multi-race exotics. I'm staying away from exactas, and I'm staying away from doubles. 
I, I like to play tries. Anything that the computerized, that computer betters can get into, I'm not in. Computerized betters, right, are taking 9% off the top at Naira. So they're winning at a 9% clip. That means that the takeout at Naira is 22% plus 9, right? In, in wagers that the computers can see the payouts, you need to add 9% to the takeout. So it's really hard to win money betting uh, single-race exotics where you can see the payout at Naira. So that's why if you're going to bet anything at Naira, even though tries have a higher takeout, the uh, computerized betting models are not betting into tries because they can't see what the payouts are. Mm. Or they might be betting but not as much. So for me, I've, I'm a player of pick threes and pick fours. It eliminates the 9% that somebody else has taken out of my pocket. Right. Does that make sense to you, Ed? Uh, absolutely, and uh, I'm a big multi-race player myself, and um, right. that's part of the reason why. Uh, I also just like focusing on having to pick winners, winners and structuring tickets that way, but uh, yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, exactas and and doubles uh, where they can scan the payouts, uh, and and even in the tries, I know there's you know if you have a tote link, you can at least get the money bet on the 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 winner, uh, the, the top leg. So um, yeah, it's uh, good advice if uh, you're you know looking to to pop something at these tracks, uh, superfectas and pick threes and pick fours are good pools to be in for sure. Uh, so uh, wrap it up. Who are the the four on all your tickets, so to speak? Yeah. Um, even after bashing West Coast the way I did, um, <laughs> I would have him on the ticket. <laughs> I'd have West yeah, Coast I mean, on the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Gervin looking at Lucky, and not looking at Lucky, looking at whatever the fuck he's looking at. Looking at Lee. Um, looking yeah, I almost had to hit the dump button. Sorry. And Iraq. There's no dumping online, Ed. Um, no, I would use those four. I would use those four. I, and I, I will tell you that I did take a look at the race before the Sword Dancer. Did Did you look at the yeah. Sword Dancer? Yeah, it's my best bet of the year. Okay, so your best bet of the year is got to be on either Erupt or Idaho. That's right, Idaho. Really? Why do you say well, that? I mean, two to. Uh, two to one is a pipe dream. I don't think we'll get that. Uh, but I would definitely uh, eight, eight or nine to five. I'm I'm loosening the wallet big time. Uh, you know, he was behind a, uh, a late and Ulysses last out, and they both won Group Ones this week at York. And if they were in this race, would be one to five. So to me, he's uh-huh. an absolute. Must must play. Uh huh. I didn't like his last race. Wow. You didn't like him no, look, third behind Late and Ulysses. Enable, you mean? Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Look, uh, I thought that well, the track was really heavy, really heavy, very tiring, and his effort didn't come up until the wire or a couple steps before. So, um, and this is going to be a different kind of surface than the Euros are used to running at. Um, 
and I'll be honest though, I was looking at both Erupt and Idaho and trying out, trying to figure out how to beat either one or both of those. Are they both running to either scratch? No, as far as I know, they're still, yeah, they're. Yeah, so. Well, all right. Well, uh, I mean, it's a great card top to bottom. Uh, did you look, the only other race I wanted to ask you about, and if you if you looked, is the personal ensign. Um, I did. Hang on a second. Yeah. What about it? Songbird at two to five, or got to play against her? No, I think you know. I was listening again. I was listening to the DRF guys, and they're smarter than me when it comes to pace and figure-wise. Um, I mean, figure-wise, maybe Forever Unbridled could out figure uh, Songbird here. But the way the guys were talking about it, the pace, there's just no pace in the race, which gives Songbird the edge, and she is the fastest horse in the race. So uh, it's a race I would stay away from. I mean, unless you can convince me that you're thinking something else here, Ed. No, I mean I, I'm in the I'm in the stay away camp. I mean, at it, two yeah. to five, it's impossible to you know sink your teeth into. Uh, Forever Unbridled certainly fits, uh, and and would be my alternative. Uh, it wouldn't shock me. The other three would be a legitimate surprise, but yeah, the pace dynamics and you know it's a lot of going a lot in Songbird's favor, but. Um, it, it's a watch for me. I mean, I'm not going to tell people to bet her at two to five, and um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see the songbird we we saw last year at Saratoga, uh, who blitzed the. Well, I hope uh, I'm a fan of her personally, so I'll just I'll just be rooting with my heart. And it's not in any of the pick boards or anything, so I don't have to worry yeah, about that. Yeah. I'm I'm a I spectator. I will t- I will I will tell you one other horse since we you know we're wrapping up here. I really didn't know what to do with the Frong, the Fong. Um, Dre Fong? Dre Fong, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that horse. There's a lot of, a lot of pros. Um, I was listening to really just, for the most part, the guys that I listened to, and I respect all the guys from DRF and, you know, Lafitte really well. And there's a, there, it seems to be a common thread that, well, you know, that was a race you can draw a line through, and if you eliminate that race, he's clearly a standout here. Um, but I don't know that I'm fully buying that because that was the race that the Frong had, right? So can't throw it out. You can excuse it, but what impact would it have on this performance? And I don't think you can say zero. So, you know, I don't know that the horse can run back to his performance in the Breeders' Cup. So what do you think? Yeah, uh, I'm. I love Divining Rod, and not to the point where I'll, I'm as bullish on him as I am Idaho. But uh, he got a big net number in that return, and he fought Connect uh, tooth and nail in that Cigar Mile, and I think that's sort of out of sight, out of mind, off the layoff, and he returned at Laurel. Um, to me, he's especially at seven furlongs. I've seen enough from him to think he's as good 
as Drapong and mind your biscuits and if you know five to one as the third choice whatever uh he's he's a big play for me in in that race and divining rod is is an a on all my my multi-race wagers well no question about it he's got a cyclical pace top second out which is a really strong figure but what i wanted to ask you and you didn't answer my question really i asked you a question you decided just tell me what you thought versus answering my question um which i'm sure you do with your wife and she doesn't appreciate it uh, what do you think of Defrang's performance, and how do you analyze it, and what do you make of it coming into this race? Uh, well, I mean, and it's almost sort of a non-performance, uh, you know, right, through the, right. the jockey. Uh, you know, some say, well, he didn't get the race he needed. I'm not as worried about that. He did actually complete the course, and, you know, not that that's a – a race, uh, you know, no one's riding on him or scrubbing him or anything, but I'm not worried about the fitness, but I will say with him, the concern is Bob Baffert also has a horse in his barn who won last year on Travers Day and a Breeders' Cup race named Arrogate, who uh, has not had a, a, the, the summer people were expecting of him, uh, and Dreyfong is, is kind of part of that bad luck as well. Um you know, everyone I've read talking about the pace advantage Drayfong has, and yeah, he'll be on the lead, and he's a potential winner for sure. I think he's going to get bet a lot more than five to two, and I'm willing to to go against him. I think you know, with all the the issues the barn has had, and now he's shipping here against two very good seven furlong horses. Uh, I'll I'll be cheering to to beat him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, my, and Mind Your Biscuits was the other one you mentioned. Uh, when you said two very good, were you referencing Mind Your Biscuits as the, as the other one? Yeah, I mean, he he yeah. certainly fits. Yeah. So. yeah. It, would, it's I a great card top to bottom. Yep, for sure, for sure. All right, well, uh, great to, to have you back in the fold. We'll see what next week brings. If a race catches your eye, uh, go through it. we got the Woodward next week, and um, yep. then it's on to Breeders' Cup prep season. So uh, looking forward to talking to you about that. And uh, before you know it, we'll be at Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup. I can't wait. All right, man, good to get back in the fold with you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Danny Zucker, everyone, predictaform.com. Uh, performance figures available not only for Travers Day, but every day at Saratoga and tracks around North America. So check out predictaform.com. And we also have a link to the bristnet.com handicapping reports for Travers Day in the description, uh, workout reports, selections, analysis, all the good stuff at bristnet.com. So thank you very much for listening. Great information from Danny. Uh, he gave out his picks, and mine are actually pretty similar. We have a lot of agreement uh, on the race. Uh, it sounds like uh, the four I will be using strongest are West Coast, Gervin, and IRAP. So I said four, but I meant three. Those are the three for me in the Travers, and also hoping to, to hopefully get live uh, to some all balls. Uh, maybe I'll get to cheer for Fayek or Giuseppe the Great. But that's the Travers Rundown. Uh, we have another podcast looking at that pick four, Sword Dancer, Forgo, The Jerkins. Join me and Scott Shapiro for that, and enjoy this one. Thanks, everyone.